What is the purpose of a pre-chorus? Should I have a pre-chorus? How do I know when to use a pre-chorus? And when I do have a pre-chorus, what's really the purpose? Why is it there? Is it just a different section? Does it have a specific function that it should fill? We're gonna talk about all those questions and answers right now. Welcome to another episode of Songwriter Theory. Today, we are tackling the purpose and how to write a pre-chorus. If you've been tracking with us, you know that we are covering all the different parts of a song. If you haven't been and you're on YouTube, be sure to check the, um, the top right corner, I think it is, or top, I think it's top right corner for you. Um, where I will have linked the entire playlist. If you have missed some of the other ones, we are covering all the different parts of a song, including the dreaded second verse, which is what we covered two weeks ago. And today we are talking about the pre-chorus. So this is the first section of a song that we're talking about that is not in basically every song, right? Because basically every song has at least two verses, a chorus, and a bridge, some songs don't have bridges, but most do, right? Pre-chorus, a valid question to ask is whether a song even should have a pre-chorus because it has a very specific function that can really help some songs and in other songs would be unnecessary or even could be a bad thing. So first question we need to answer is, in the most simple terms, what is the purpose of a pre-chorus? And the super simple answer I think, is just to set up your chorus, right? It's not a post-verse. It comes after your verse and before your chorus, usually, right? But it's not a post-verse. It's a pre-chorus, right? Its entire function is to go into the chorus. That's, that's the entire purpose, is to smoothly transition into the chorus. More specifically, I think it's to build tension and or anticipation for the chorus. Let me say that again. To build tension and or anticipation before the chorus. I say and or because tension and anticipation can be similar. They can be sort of two sides of the same coin because tension sort of has this 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 pull to it, right? It's almost a, a discomfort to it, whereas anticipation doesn't necessarily, right? Um, you might feel tension in the room when you know that like somebody's mad at the other person and you think, oh boy, one of them's going to explode and start yelling at each other, right? That, so that's sort of uncomfortable by nature. Whereas you also feel anticipation, right? If you're, if you're out in the audience and your favorite band is about to come on stage and, you know, the lights are down and everything and they're playing some like music to kind of get you ready and to, to tune you in to like, hey, stop getting your pizza, stop getting your popcorn, come back. The band's about to come on, right? That's anticipation. It's not necessarily tension in the sense that, like, it's not, it doesn't sort of have that slight uncomfortableness to it. It's it's more on the exciting side, right? Um, and while I think tension is very powerful in a pre-chorus, and I'm a huge fan of tension in music in general, is like, like tension and release is, is so much of music. Um, but that being said, I don't want to make you think, like, oh, if, if, if like, there isn't this tense feeling in my pre-chorus it's not doing the right thing and I because I don't think that's true and then practically speaking it also sort of provides a new vocal motif or hook after the verses right so your verses might you know 
your melody is probably a call and answer, right? You have one little motif and then another motif and then back to that first motif, back to the second motif, right? So you have in your verse, often you'll have an A, B, A, B, right? You might even have an A, 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 A. Yep, those four. <laughs> um, where where literally every line of your melody is the exact same and there isn't even a call call and answer to your verse. That might be possible too. And some verses, of course, change it up and it's not just A, B, A, B or all A's or A, 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 B. Um, you know, there are definitely exceptions to that. But generally, a lot of them will revolve around sort of that call and answer to motifs. And with the pre-chorus, you now have an opportunity to add a new motif to the mix, right? So it's a good way to change it up. And practically speaking, we've talked before about you generally don't want to stay on one thing sonically for too long in a song, right? The song needs to feel like it's moving forward, not being stagnant. And some ways we do that, right, are in the in, in the arrangement of a song. We sort of layer more instruments in, right? Like the second verse, as it builds and builds, we're building it by like adding this instrument over here and then adding this instrument over here. And then maybe, you know, this instrument sort of picks up and, and you know, maybe it was a guitar just doing basic quarter notes before, but now it's doing eighth notes to sort of rev into that chorus, right? So a pre-chorus can also just sort of function as like a, hey, I have this short verse, but I don't want to get to that chorus yet. I want one more step that that sort of changes it up, right? We have two lines or four lines of the verse, and I think that's enough. Now I want this next section to, to be a little different, but I don't want to get to the chorus yet. So fundamentally, it acts as a transition to that chorus, from the verse to the chorus, usually. And it's important to think also lyrically, it should transition between the verse and chorus. So a lot of times the verse will be more story-like, right? It will, it will talk about situations, right? Like here's the situation I'm in. And then the chorus will get more emotional, right? It's a little more uh, relatable, Right. So I've talked about this before. Right. The, the idea of like in the verse, you might talk about, you know, that blue eye, brown haired girl you're in love with. And that's really specific. Right. Because now the people that are really like, wow, that resonates with me. When you say that so, something that specific are people who like girls. So that's cutting peop the people that are relating down into half, probably. And then uh, blue eyes which is fewer than half of, I don't know how many, what percentage of us have blue eyes, but whatever. And then brown hair, right? Which is a not rare combo, but it's certainly more rare than like blonde and blue eyes, right? Or, or brown hair, brown eyes, right? So you're reducing the amount of people that can relate, right? Somebody's like, hey, I like redheads with, with, with green eyes, or, you know, the person I'm with is a redhead with green eyes or whatever. So you've sort of lost those people in that specific of the story, which is fine in the verses, but generally your chorus is going to be, I don't necessarily want to say more vague, but more emotional based. That is something that can resonate with a lot of people, even if the specific story of the verse doesn't. So sometimes the pre-chorus can operate as, as a nice way to sort of transition from that more story structure or, um, you know, the situation explanation to the emotional and, and sort of draw, sort of be a middle ground section. That's, that's more emotional 
and 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 but still has some situational elements in in it until you get to that chorus where it's almost full like this is an emotion that anyone can probably relate to the rest of the story uh adds details behind this emotion but you don't necessarily need to be able to relate to the exact story laid out in the verse in order to relate to that core emotion that you're talking about in the chorus. Um, so it also just allows you to transition in other ways, right? Because sometimes in your verse, you might be talking, let, let's take an example here. So maybe in your verse, you're talking about how much you want someone, right? You just, you've been looking for a while. You're like, wow, that person, they're so nice. They're so pretty, blah, 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 whatever. And then the chorus, though, the main thing, the main theme is about the sadness of not being with someone. Well, that pre-chorus can help to set the context of like, oh, well, you're interested, but you don't have the person. Why? Are they not interested? Have you just not had the guts to say anything? Like, what's the story? And that pre-chorus can give that context of like, I can't be with you because, I don't know, Paul of Romeo and Juliet, you know, your family doesn't like mine or whatever, right? So like that can sort of be something that helps you transition and gives you context to, okay, here's the verse situation and here's what the chorus is talking about. How did we get to that emotion, right? Because otherwise it's pretty vague, Maybe that person's just not interested in you. Maybe, again, you just haven't had the guts to say anything. But that pre-chorus can be an opportunity to, to illuminate why we are in the situation we are in of the emotion of the chorus. So a couple analogies, because I think analogies can be helpful to, to, to think through something. Foundational concepts are very important, and I think a part of understanding foundational concepts is to have an image or an analogy that 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 sort of illuminates that thing. I just used the word illuminates twice within like two minutes. I must have decided I really like using that word the first time because I feel like I don't use it enough. Now I'm going to use it more. Anyway, um, so one is a pre-chorus is kind of like an on-ramp to a highway. Right. So you're you're going at 35 miles an hour on a regular road and then you got to get on a highway that's 65. And if you're in a Tesla, it's pretty easy to kind of go 35 to 65 in like a second and you don't need much of a transition. You could just turn right and it'd be a highway and you'd be good. But for most cars, you sort of need that like rev up into the highway speed. Right. And you're sort of taking this turn and now you're you're making that transition right from from a a normal road, whatever you would call it, right? Just a road into that 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 highway type of driving. So a pre-chorus can function like that. Or let's take a roller coaster. Some roller coasters now, you just kind of sit there and then they launch you, right? Or, or, you know, one of those rides that just like suddenly drops and you don't really know when it's coming. That can be the effect that you get from going from a really small verse straight to a huge chorus, right? It has this sort of epic shock factor to it almost. Whereas a pre-chorus can help reduce the shock factor, but instead you're adding tension so you know it's coming and it's more about when it's coming. And then you feel instead of the chorus. So if you take a small verse, right, and you go to a huge chorus straight from that small verse, 
now the beginning of your chorus feels like an explosion, right? Because it came out of nowhere, which can be a very, very, very helpful effect. I personally love that effect. This is why I don't use a lot of pre-courses. Not because I don't love pre-courses, I do, but I really like that effect and it often fits with my songs of like, here's this sort of intimate, sad story and then boom, big emotion. And I really like that effect of like that explosive beginning of a chorus. I love that. But another effective way, you know, emotionally to treat this, which is what a pre-chorus can give you, is that idea of instead of just a sudden explosion at your chorus, you build tension in your pre-chorus so that by the time the chorus comes, it's almost a relief. It's like you knew it was coming. It was inevitable. It didn't come out of nowhere like, boom, here's a huge chorus, right? Instead, it feels inevitable because the tension is like making you want to hear the beginning of that chorus. And then instead of a sort of shocking explosion at the beginning of the chorus... You sort of have a a relief or a release of like, oh, the tension is finally relieved, right? Um, So it's think of it like a movie scene. In a movie, sometimes they will do something out of nowhere, right? Two people are talking. The music isn't really adding any tension. You think, oh, this is just like, you know, they're, they're talking about... You know, the episode of Seinfeld they watched last week because this is a 90s movie or something. I don't know, whatever. Um, and then all of a sudden, like, somebody shot in the head, right? Like, that's a shocking thing. And that can be very effective, right? Because now almost the trust is broken of, like, now you know that, like, something crazy can... Like, you're more dialed in because, you know, something crazy can happen out of nowhere, Right? Whereas if you constantly have like tension is building, you think to yourself, oh, well, I know something's going to happen, right? But if something happens out of nowhere, it's almost like this broken trust where now you know, hey, people can just be sitting having conversations in this movie and somebody just gets shot in the head out of nowhere. Like I got to, there's no time for me to sort of not pay attention or to zone out because like something huge can happen at any moment. And that's sort of that verse straight to chorus effect that you can have, which isn't used super often in movies compared to the alternative, but I think can be very effective in music. But then for a pre-chorus, it's more like, I don't know if you've seen, um, I almost said Tenet. Tenet is not out yet, tragically. Um, Cannot wait to see it. But uh, Dunkirk, which is the war movie from Christopher Nolan, there's this one very famous scene that um, a, a German bomber plane is, is, it's a World War II movie, if you don't know. So, uh, a German bomber plane is coming. And the scene is that you can, you see your main character sort of right in front of the, the camera, get on the ground and cover his head. Cause apparently that's what you're supposed to do when bombs are coming and everybody else is doing that too in the background and you see the bombs slowly coming closer and closer to the camera right boom 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 and it's getting closer and closer to the character right so that's building tension right you know what's coming you see the inevitability of 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 you know where the bombs are headed bombs are being dropped right it wasn't just a bomb out of nowhere and somebody died it was it's it's building it's building that tension um, now, the main character does not die, so in this case, there is no explosion to kick off the chorus in that sense. But 
that's an example of like tension, right? Or, or, you know, to go back to that example of like two people are just sitting talking and one gets shot in the head by, I don't know, a gangster or something. If you take that same scene, but you add some, some music that sort of adds tension to the scene, all of a sudden now you have this mental cue that like something's going to happen, right? So now you're feeling that tension, so that by time they actually do get shot, you're almost relieved of like, oh, that's what it was, right? Not which, not that you're like, oh, who cares? A person got shot in the movie. Maybe you do, or maybe you don't. It could be a good guy, bad guy, whatever. Um, but that's sort that's sort of the difference between the the pre-course and not having a pre-course is just the emotions that are sort of at play. So again, if we just roll back the analogies and go and go back to basics. If you go straight from verse to chorus, you can have that explosive, explosive, unexpected beginning of a chorus that just is massive out of nowhere. So that you're almost smacked in the face with the beginning of a chorus, which can be a very cool effect. Or with a pre-chorus, you can build tension so that you almost feel release and relief at the at the the beginning of the chorus because you've built up this tension you know it's coming and then boom okay i feel better here's the chorus i feel relief rather than sort of shock and that explosive um that feeling like something just exploded in front of me or whatever so what makes a pre-chorus a good pre-chorus it adds tension, so the chorus is extra relieving, right? I've talked about this a couple times or alluded to it a couple times now. So it's adding that tension musically and lyrically, hopefully, so that your chorus feels extra right. It feels extra like home, like, oh, this is where it was all going. This is what I want, right? Um, and even if it's not necessarily building tension, you want it to build to the chorus. So some examples that I think could can help make something a good pre-chorus. Whatever your vocal range is in your verse, probably a lot lower than your chorus. A pre-chorus, you want to be in between, right? In general, you don't want your pre-chorus to jump higher than what your chorus is because then your chorus might actually feel disappointing, right? And we're supposed to be building towards the chorus, not one-upping the chorus, right? That's not that's not an effective pre-chorus. You don't want your pre-chorus to be better than your chorus or more exciting than your chorus. So if you have a certain vocal range in your verse and then you have another vocal range, which if you're on YouTube, you're seeing where my hands are and that will help. If you're on a podcast, I'm kind of sorry, but, but bear with me. I'll use the numbers that I've been using a lot. So let's say your verse is a three- and your chorus is like an eight out of 10 for like epicness, bigness, how, you know, or, or, or let's say vocal range, right? Instead of using notes, because I could throw like G3 and F4 at you, but I won't do that to you. So let's say that as far as your vocal range goes, zero is the bottom of your vocal range and 10 is the top of your vocal range. Let's say your verses are sitting at a comfortable three. And then your chorus is at a seven, right? So it's sort of towards the top end of your vocal range, but not, not pushing it too much. Your pre-chorus, you probably want to build 
to be higher than that four or three, whatever I said of the verses, but still not as high as that chorus because it gives that feeling of building towards the chorus. So that's one element. The other thing is probably think about the chords that you're using. A part of what adds tension can be what you don't give, right? A lot of tension is what you, what isn't there, right? So to go back to the movie scene example, when you hear that like music that's sort of adding tension to the scene, what causes it to be tension is that the music cues you that something bad's going to happen, but you don't know what it is and nothing on the screen is indicating something bad is going to happen, right? So that gives you tension, right? You don't know what it is. So how we can do that musically in our song, a couple of things to think about. One is the, the chords you use. If you know anything about music theory, you know that the one chord, so like a C major chord in the key of C, for, for instance, in the key of C major, is your home, right? It's, it's, it's the most powerful chord you have, and it feels like home. It feel, it's the perfectly resolved chord, right? So your chorus is almost definitely going to use that most of the time. There can be exceptions like everything else, but most of the time your chorus will have a one chord and even more percentage of the time your chorus will start with a one chord and probably end with a one chord too. So something to think about with your pre-chorus is maybe to make sure that the listener feels the tension building and knows that this isn't the resolution. This is building tension for the chorus. The main point isn't here, right? The main point isn't in the main, in the pre-chorus. It's in the chorus. So to give that feeling of tension, don't use the one chord. Use the four chord, the five chord, three chord, four chord. I think I already said four chord, six chord, right? Use other chords other than the one to sort of give that feeling of tension, right? You're not resolving to one. It makes the listener really want one, right? The longer you take a one chord away from the listener, the more badly they want it, right? Because it's like nothing's resolved. It's just the tension keeps growing and growing and growing with no resolution, right? It's like, it's like you know, if, if you're waiting on a job offer and like tension just keeps growing with time as you don't know, right? Like you had this interview, you think you crushed it, but they haven't called you in three weeks now. Tension's building, four weeks, five weeks. Now you're starting to be like, wow, did the interview not even go well? Like what what's happening, right? Tension grows with time that you don't know you have the job or that you don't know that they're interested in giving you an offer or that you don't know that they're interested in bringing you in for a second interview, right? So time without a resolution is sort of what ca- causes and increases tension. And you can do that just by not giving the one chord for the entire pre-chorus, right? And you can use this in other parts of the song too, right? Like if if your chorus sort of has two parts, which I like to do a lot where like there's there's sort of a A section. So you have like A, B, A, B, and then C, D, C, D, right? Like you have call and answer, call and answer, and then a different call and answer, call and answer for the second part of the course. Sometimes there would be another example of like the real main point of the course is in that second section, the C, D section. So you don't give the one chord in that first section so that you know when the resolution, when the main point is. So anyway, so this concept can go past pre-choruses as well. 
uh, that's the beauty of talking about fundamentals, right? You start to think through like, okay, this mostly applies to a pre-chorus, but also it just applies to music in general uh, and how to build tension. So take away that one chord. And then even specifically think, okay, what is the first chord that I'm using in my chorus? By the way, if any of this is confusing you, go pick up my free guide on four, the four main pillars of music theory that every songwriter needs to know because it just will take you from being confused and using the same old chords over and over because you say stuff like G and C chords work well together, um, which, sorry, not making fun of you. Like, if you don't know, you don't know. But do yourself a favor. Don't be stuck in that rut, right? Like, the difference, if you know these four pillars of music theory, which is key, which are keys, intervals, chords, and chord progressions. If you understand those, it takes you from like taking forever to write any piece of music or just using the same chord progressions over and over that you just know work to like, you know, I can improvise at a piano for hours straight, making music just off the top of my head because I know these four pillars, right? Like these four pillars is what allows me to write pretty good sounding music just in the moment, which, of course, also means that I can write a lot faster because in two hours of sitting at a keyboard, I've produced original music for two hours. I'm, I'm bound to find something I like. So anyway, if any of this one chord talk is confusing you, like what the heck is a one chord? Why does that matter? Who cares? Then go pick up that guide totally free uh, in the description below. It's also at songwritertheory.com slash music theory guide. Um, I promise that it will help you understand these things I'm talking about, which again, really difficult to be a songwriter without these four core concepts of music theory. So um, if your chorus starts on a one chord and you understand chords well, you know that a four chord transitioning to a one chord is a common cadence and that a five chord transitioning to one chord, like those are two of the most powerful chord progressions you, you have, is a five to a one and a four to a one. They just build really well to that one so that the one feels extra resolved. The five begs to be resolved to a one. So if you know that your chorus starts with a one chord, maybe think about ending your pre-chorus with a five that way, when that one hits, it hits extra hard and it really feels like this extra relief of like, here's the chorus. This is what I've been waiting for, which is really the effect that you want your chorus to have, especially if you're writing a pre-chorus, probably. Now, of note, I talked about how usually you're going to use a pre-chorus to sort of rev up into the chorus so that you don't have that suddenness of a verse straight to a chorus where you're going from like a 2 out of 10 in epicness to an 8 out of 10 in epicness. And that's true. But here's another thing. Maybe your verse is like a 6 out of 10 and your chorus is an 8 out of 10. You could actually use your pre-chorus to go down to a 2 out of 10 to then actually create that giant leap in epicness so that it sounds extra huge. So... This is an example, right, of like absorb the concepts, take the general rules, but think about them a little more deeply to understand the fundamental concept here is, is just that a pre-course is an opportunity 
to sort of define what the transition into the chorus sounds like, right? It 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 now makes because because sometimes when you're writing if you if you write a verse straight into a chorus, right? It is all important what the transition from the end of a verse to the beginning of a chorus is, right? So you have to think when writing your verse, how do I end my verse so that the transition to the chorus is natural or feels the way I want it to feel? If you have a pre-chorus, that takes that away. Now you just need to think, okay, how do I connect the beginning of this pre-chorus to the verse and then the end of the pre-chorus to the chorus. So it can help smooth over that transition and makes it so that you don't need to worry about going straight from a verse to a chorus. Now you can have this middle ground section that 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 can cover, okay, here's how I want to transition out of my verse and here's how I want to transition into my chorus. So more practical advice, you probably want to introduce something new in your pre-chorus, right? So let's say your verse is really basic. And, you know, you've just had that A, B, A, B, call and answer melody. And maybe you've only used two chords, right? Maybe you've used the one chord and the five chord. So if you're in the key of C major, you're using the C major chord and your G major chord, right? Really simple. The pre-chorus would be a good time to be like and A minor, right? And the sixth chord, the minor sixth chord. Or throw in one more chord that you haven't used yet. A pre-chorus would be a good time to do that. It sort of signifies something's changing, right? So there's something new here. This is a new section. The new melody also, also should tip the person off. But the two things combined can be really powerful to like transition of like, okay, this song's really moving forward. It's not like the same chords, but the melody's changing. It's, it's new chords as well. And something really important to get here is your song can't fizzle in the pre-chorus, Right? That pre-chorus needs to be revving into the chorus. Now, again, that doesn't mean that you can't actually go down in epicness to go back up. It just needs to not fizzle, which this is a kind of generic thing, right? Like, what does that mean? Practically speaking, a listener shouldn't think, oh, well, the song's just kind of getting worse and I'm thinking about turning it off now when your song goes from the verse to the pre-chorus, right? It should... It should operate as another moment to recapture the listener's attention rather than a moment to lose the listener's attention. So it, that's sort of what I mean by shouldn't fizzle. So let's dive a little deeper. We already talked about the music theory side of this. Again, free guide in the description if any of that did not make sense. There are two songs that you probably know that use a pre-chorus that we're going to take a quick look at. One is Never Say Never by The Fray. We're actually, Never Say Never, the, that lyric is actually from the pre-chorus. So verse one, some things we don't talk about, rather do without and just hold the smile, falling in and out of love, ashamed and proud of, together all the while. So... First verse is a little dark, right? It's 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 very like, oh man, this is a sucky situation, right? This isn't great. 
And then that chorus is don't let me go. Don't let me go. And it's kind of got a very positive, like, we got this. We can do this vibe. So it would be kind of unnatural to sort of shift from this, you know, we're falling in and out of love and some things we don't talk about. We just do without and hold the smile, right? Like that's that's a real tragedy. Um, to sort of go straight from to the don't let me go would be confusing. Like this relationship sounds kind of like it's in a really bad place. Like what's the, why would you say don't let me go to somebody that like you have a, at the moment very bad relationship with? Seems a little odd, right? But that pre-chorus kind of make bridges that connection, right? So pre-chorus says, you can never say never. Well, we don't know when, but time and time again, younger now than we were before, which I'm not entirely sure exactly what all that means, to be honest, which is a slight criticism I have of the lyric. Like, what do you mean by younger now than we were before? Um, not to say that it's, it's not smart or brilliant in any way. I don't really know. I just truly don't know what some of that means. But musically speaking, if you can hear it in your head or if you go look it up, it sort of has this rise in hope. So even though the lyrics you can't necessarily tell, you can never say never has a positive vibe to it for sure. But um, the lyrics are more positive than the verse lyrics, but the music really helps to make that lyric seem even more positive so that by time the don't let me go, don't let me go comes, it actually makes sense. It's like, oh, okay, this is a relationship worth saving. We, we are, we're still trying here, right? Time and time again, we're coming back together. Don't let me go. So it makes a little more sense. Another example, um, as much as I hate that I'm doing a Katy Perry example, uh, is firework, which is okay. Uh, it's got a positive message, so I'll I'll give it that. Uh, but if your first line is "Do you ever feel like a plastic bag?" like I just come on now, come on now. I love it when like pop songs try to be deep because they're so like generally they're so bad at it, right? Like it just comes off super corny. Like, wow, you you just think you're so brilliant, don't you? Even though this is like the pretty, like the analogy makes sense, right? The symbolism makes sense, but it's just kind of silly and dumb. Anyway, um, so first verse, do you ever feel like a plastic bag drifting through the wind wanting to start again? Do you ever feel so paper thin, uh, like a house of cards, one blow from caving in? Do you ever feel already buried deep, six feet under screams, but no one seems to hear a thing? Do you know that there's still a chance for you because there's a spark in you? So it's finally a little bit of hope at the end of that first verse. But the first one is just like asking questions like, hey, do you feel like crap? <laughs> Basically, right? Um, but then, and and she's in her lower vocal register. It should be noted too. And then the chorus is very high, right? Because baby, you're a firework is pretty high. This pre-chorus, though, moves from its it it starts basically at the pitch that the first verse ends on, but then it climbs up and the chords are going up, up, up so that it builds to that because baby, you're a firework. Um, but also lyrically, you just got to ignite the light and let it shine. Just own the night like the 4th of July. It makes me so sad that like I feel like this song could have been decent if you just like reworked the lyrics a anyway whatever i'm not here to criticize this song i'm here to point out the the importance of a, how a pre-chorus can work uh with hopefully songs that you may or may not know um so lyrically right it's 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 moving from this like hey do you feel like crap 
to here's what you got to do. And then that chorus is that message of hope. You're a firework. Show them what you're worth. Make them go, ah, 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 whatever that means. Like, I get it. It's like, ah, ah, but it's just silly. Anyway, um, I love how I just can't stop criticizing it, right? I'm like, hey, guys, I'm going to give a Katy Perry example and, you know, It'll be fine. This song actually could is is like it has a positive message, blah, blah, blah. Criticism, criticism, criticism. I know I just I can't I can't help it. See, this is why I will never use Taylor Swift as an example, because I just I I would just end up criticizing her the whole time. And you'd say, what was the point I was supposed to take from that? Anyway, um, so. So that pre-chorus functions to melodically and musically bridge the gap from that lower low key first verse to that really high, like, cause baby you're a firework that hits hard, uh, by her melody is constantly moving up in that pre-course. You got to ignite the light and let it shine. Just own the night. Like the 4th of July, she's like moving up, up, up. Um, and then again, subject wise is bridging that gap from, yep. Do you feel like your life sucks to, you know, you're a firework. Show them what you're worth. That would sort of be jarring out of nowhere. Like, wait, you just told me my life sucks and I feel like a plastic bag and a, and a house of cards and, and like, why are you telling me I'm a firework all of a sudden? Sounds like I am pretty terrible before. But the pre-chorus clarifies, like, like what, what the person is being called to do, right? Ignite the light, let it shine, own the night like the 4th of July. And the end of the first verse also clarifies like it's you're feeling that way because people are putting you down or whatever. Uh, well, it doesn't say that, but, you know, it's implied. So what are some things we can think through about whether we want to have a pre-chorus? One is if your verse is really short. You might want to have a pre-chorus. That way it's not jumping straight into your chorus too soon. Uh, another thing is 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 just, you know, maybe your verse is extra simple with like just a couple chords and you want to add a little more complexity before you get to a chorus that might have a bunch of different chords and, you know, you're throwing three chords and, and four chords and six chords and stuff at them and the verse was just like a one chord the whole time or a one and a five or something. And so you can sort of transition by like, okay, we're going to introduce a third chord or maybe a third and fourth chord before we just start hitting you with, you know, using five different chords in the chorus. Um, and then again, you know, we keep talking uh, like with the firework example, she starts low and then gets high for the chorus. So she kind of vocally bridges the gap, which can also help a vocalist as well, because it can be difficult to be like singing in your lower register and then belt or a high note. That can be more difficult and sometimes is vocally not a great idea. Um, so it also helps, practically speaking, for the singer to sort of build into that higher, higher space. So I hope this was helpful to you. I hope you get some foundational concepts, whether or not. Uh, you end up using pre-choruses. Like I said, I often don't use pre-choruses because as much as I really do like them, a lot of my songs kind of call for that more sudden chorus. Although I uh, have been trying to do more pre-choruses because I'm trying to find different ways to change it up with my songwriting process and adding you know, different parts, like maybe using a post-chorus when you've never used one before or having two bridges for the first time or using... Another thing I like to talk about, like the finale concept, kind of like uh, the only song I can think of 
besides my own uh, that employs that idea is don't stop believing, right? Like you actually, the chorus is not the don't stop believing part. That don't stop believing part, that's the highlight, doesn't happen until the end of the song happens, you know, repeats, and then the song's over, right? So it leaves you on a high note. Um, And that's sort of what a finale is. So using different parts of a song is a great way to sort of inject more creativity and to get out of your box and... And, and just to give yourself a jolt, if you're feeling, you know, a little bit like your songs are starting to become samey, right? A great thing you can do is use parts of songs you haven't before. Try different um, song structures, right? Maybe try a song that's just all verses, right? No chorus. And you just build, build, build and just, you know, build the verses and then break and don't use a chorus at all. Right. Or maybe try a song without a bridge. Try a song with a pre-chorus and a post-chorus. Try a song with just a post-chorus, which I think post-chorus is what we're going to talk about next week. Um, So hopefully this was helpful to you, whether you use pre-choruses or not. If it was, drop a like and subscribe. Click the little notification bell if you are on YouTube because I have new videos coming out every single Monday. And right now I'm currently working on uploading all of my past podcasts that were not video podcasts. Um, So you'll also be getting all of those. Hopefully at some point soon, all of my content will be on YouTube. And I also will be doing some more live streams. I already did a live stream on my six-step lyric writing process. Um, and I plan on doing more live streams and will eventually be doing videos that are not podcast videos, but are just videos that will only be on YouTube. So if you want to be around for all of that, be sure to subscribe, click the little notification bell. As I said before, if you're on iTunes and you enjoy this content, you've heard me say this a million times, but if you haven't done it, why? Why haven't you done it? Be a bro. Be a sister, sis. What what do you, I don't really know what you say. Is there not an equivalent? Be a sis. That sounds wrong. That sounds weird. Be a sis. I've never heard somebody say that. Be a good friend, male or female, and leave a review on iTunes. That's the best thing you can do to help me. Hopefully four or five stars. If you feel like you can't give me four or five stars, you can say it with me at this point, right? If you feel like you can't give me four or five stars, email me, joseph at songwritertheory.com, because I would like to know how to earn four or five stars. I don't want you to just give me a rating you feel like I don't deserve. I want you to be honest. I also don't want you to tank my ratings, though. So, you know, if you know a way that I can improve to be worth four or five stars, preferably five stars, you should tell me that, right? If every one of my podcasts you think, oh, he did that stupid thing again that makes it so that I don't enjoy his podcast, and you don't tell me, how am I supposed to fix it, right? Which is not to say that any criticism you have might be correct because other people might like it. That's a side thing. But you get my drift Those are the ways that you can help me if you feel so inclined. If not, as always, I will talk to you next week.